You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. In line with its aim to bring new investment opportunities to South African clients, Discovery Invest launched a market-first credit fund targeting annual returns in euros of 7% per annum net of fees and taxes. The Discovery European Credit Opportunities Fund forthwith known as DECO, managed by 91, is a fund that offers access to a blend of primarily private credit as well as public credit investments in European and other global markets. With me today, Lele, co-head European Credit Opportunities Alternatives at 91, and Kenny Rabson, CEO, Discovery Invest and Employee Benefits. Kenny, I have to start with you. This seems like a very, very niched asset class, a very niched strategy that you've got. What made you think of it? Well, thanks, Lindsay. I mean, I think firstly, private credit has obviously been around for a long time, but it's been an asset class typically available to institutions. The minimum investment amounts are typically very large, you know, going into millions of euros. So typically it's excluded um, the retail client in the past. In terms of Discovery Invest, we continually look for new opportunities for clients. And obviously, as you know, We've had a relationship with 91 now for uh, nearly 15 years where they've done significant parts of our asset management. And therefore, from time to time, new opportunities will come along, which 91 will show us. And, you know, if we think that's a great opportunity, we'll take it to our clients. We think this is really a winner. We think the, the ability to give clients this type of return uh, in euros is is a is a great opportunity, and it really broadens out our investment platform significantly. As you know, we do all the typical things from unit trusts to share portfolios, etc. But this is so unique to be able to bring private equity to retail clients in South Africa is just a fantastic opportunity, which we're very excited about. And as a portfolio manager, partly responsible for this fund, this new opportunity, just maybe describe it to people because private credit and private equity are mysterious asset classes to many people. So maybe simplify it for us. Sure. Thank you, Lindsay. And yes, and and absolutely. Hopefully this will provide a simplification for a lot of your listeners. I guess just taking a step back in terms of credit, um, credit in its simplest form is effectively lending money in the form of either loans or bonds to companies. So that is credit. And and private credit is effectively a part of the credit market. And in essence, the key difference for for private credit is that private credit is lending uh, money in the form of loans only, uh, which are not typically traded or listed. Um, So that that is in in the simplest form. And just to expand on that very quickly, as Kenny mentioned, obviously, we're very excited about private credit as an asset class. It isn't an asset class that has been around for a while. Having said that, it is an asset class which is growing tremendously fast. And so European credit in particular is an asset class which we believe has a tremendous amount of future growth. It's an asset class that currently totals about $250 billion in Europe, but only uh, represents roughly half of the of the size of the US private credit market. And so uh, this is, again, one of the key reasons why we're so excited about bringing this asset class to investors in South Africa. So in other words, Europe has got to play catch up with its peers, uh, notably the United States, as you just said. That's exactly right. Um, and, and within uh, the private uh, asset class within Europe, there is a particular segment which we're targeting, uh, in particular, focusing on lending money to small and medium sized businesses. This is the part of the market today which we believe is the most underserved 
and going forward is the part of the market which we think has the highest growth potential. And ultimately, this is one of the key drivers for us um, to actually expand within this um, strategy. And, and ultimately, we believe this is a strategy um, that can generate uh, you know, attractive returns for investors. Kenny, who are you targeting here? From what we've just said in the last couple of minutes, I think that the average investor would say, okay, maybe not for me because I don't have the, uh, the, the wherewithal, I don't have the knowledge, I don't understand it, and also I don't have the, uh, the amount of money, but maybe I'm being unkind. Who are you targeting? Look, I think it is a fairly sophisticated investor. Um, you know, the minimum premium is 200,000 Rand. I mean, obviously, in terms of getting access through 91 to this private credit fund, I mean, the minimum has to be quite high to meet the requirements. But I think the fund is fairly simple and being marketed through all of our retail advisors, our TIDE agents, as well as IFAs, and fairly simple in that, you know, the fund has a very simple expected payoff, which I think everyone can get to grips with pretty easily. 7%, as you mentioned, upfront net of tax and fees is really what we're targeting. I mean, obviously, it's important to say it's not guaranteed. So therefore, for those clients, I think that are looking for guarantees, it's not guaranteed. And whilst we don't expect that to be a problem at all, it is important that obviously clients are aware of that. And then I think more importantly, it's for clients that have additional liquidity outside of this investment, because this investment is a seven-year term structure, uh, which means it's largely locked up uh, for that period. Um, And therefore, you know, clients should not be uh, looking to get out of this investment early. You know, they'll be subject to market forces at that point in time if they did want to surrender it. And, you know, it could go any way uh, in between. So it's for a client who has adequate liquidity not to depend on this investment for their liquidity and for clients that are happy to be invested for this longer term. And you'll typically find private equity and private credit does have a long-term horizon. But I think it's a very attractive return, which is pretty difficult to match in alternative investments. It really is difficult to match. I mean, these are very glamorous numbers. Lay, you're going to have to give me an example of the type of investment that this strategy will look at. That's what I need. I need an example, please. Sure, I'm happy to, Lindsay. But maybe before I give the example, just just for your listeners to give some context in terms of the type of businesses and the type of situations we focus on from a high-level standpoint. So we, in in essence, are providing loans to good-performing companies uh, which are uh, operating the SMEs, the small and medium enterprise space across Europe. Yes. All loans are asset-backed, which is really important because this is the element which provides investors with that downside protection, which obviously is key in these uncertain times. Uh, and secondly, and, sorry, and lastly, the type of places and locations which we target are typically the small and medium-sized cities across Europe, purely because these are the markets which are most underserved today. And, and these are the markets which a lot of the other investment managers are simply not spending time and resources to focus on. So what this enables us to do is really identify these transactions where there are very limited competition. And ultimately, this is a key driver for us to generate that 7% uh, net of uh, 7% return net of tax 
and fees. Um, but just to sort of expand on that and, and give you a, a concrete example. Yes, so just before sure. you get to the example, what you've just said is very interesting because what you're saying is that there is a whole sector of the market that has been ignored by certain other asset management companies and therefore haven't fallen by the wayside but is ripe for the picking. So your investable universe must be quite ripe for the picking. Absolutely. And I think that the key thing to highlight here is really how has this come about? And the reason why this market opportunity is present today and the reason why it's so compelling is has really been uh, something that has been in play over the last 10 years since the global financial crisis. What we've seen post the global financial crisis, at least in, in Europe and pretty much across the world, is, is we've seen a, a huge increase in regulation for banks. And this has ultimately resulted in European banks reducing the amount of lending across the board to all companies. But in particular, that lending has been most acute within the small and medium-sized enterprises part of the market. And this has ultimately created a funding gap, which a number of, I guess, economists have estimated to, to total up, upwards of 400 billion euros in terms of funding need. And so this is, this is the reason why the market opportunity really exists right now. Lei, I'm going to ask you to get your example ready, but I want to go to Kenny because it suddenly occurred to me. Where does this type of strategy, this type of philosophy, this type of asset class sit in your suite of products at Discovery? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Lindsay. I mean, obviously, we offer the, the traditional spectrum. Um, you know, if you look at the, an, any efficient frontier from low risk um, money market cash type of investments all the way um, up into the equity space um, locally and offshore. And I think maybe this ties in with your previous question as well, because, um, you know, we do find clients have had great equity returns over the last year. Markets are pretty high at the moment, all of them sort of at records. I think everyone's following the, the U.S. markets very closely. Um, and therefore, I think in terms of diversification from equities, this is a great opportunity. It provides pretty good return, but a low correlation to equities. So certainly those clients uh, looking to maybe lighten equity exposure, I think will find a great home in this product. And then similarly, I think in terms of the returns relative to global bonds, it provides a significantly better return as well. So on that efficient frontier curve, it's very well placed between kind of global bonds and global equity. And I think there's a great diversification opportunity for clients, especially in light of the fact that equity markets are at all-time highs. Lay, your example now, please, because this is where I start to understand the product. Not a problem to all. Look, I think, I think examples always bring things to life. Um, so the, the, we're working on, on a number of different transactions at the moment, totaling you know, over, well over um, 800 uh, million euros in, in size. But the one that I think um, probably brings this most to life is actually a transaction that um, I was actually on the phone with the company earlier today. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, a transaction involving the acquisition of a UK food manufacturing business uh, by an Irish uh, entrepreneur. The business itself, again, is performing, is cash generative, and has actually performed very well over the last couple of years um, during COVID. Um, the business, just from a high-level perspective, generates roughly 70 million euros equivalent of revenues and 7 million euros of profit and has an enterprise value of between 50 to 60 million euros. And fundamentally, it is a good business. 
the Irish entrepreneur has experience in this particular part of the market and wants to basically acquire the business uh, with a view of, of growing it and using it as a vehicle to expand his existing business. Um, he's looking for 30 million uh, euros of financing. Um, he's willing uh, to pay double digit uh, gross returns for this investment. And what is particularly interesting about the situation is that, that the company itself owns a number of manufacturing facilities which have been valued at excess of 40 million euros. So this goes to the downside protection that we're lending 30 million euros of financing against a business that is worth 50 to 60 million euros. We're getting double digit gross returns and we have the underlying manufacturing facilities uh, valued at 40 million plus, which ultimately provides us with downside protection to the extent there are any bumps in the road. And I think the last thing to mention here is that I think we get asked the question quite often, you know, why aren't the banks providing this? Why isn't the Irish entrepreneur going to the banks to get this financing at, at a potentially cheaper cost? The reason for this is a couplefold. Firstly, because this is a cross-border transaction, so an Irish company buying a UK asset, that straight away makes a lot of the banks, the local banks, uh, you know, challenged in terms of being able to provide this financing. Secondly, this transaction needs to close in a relatively short period of time, within eight to 10 weeks. And as one of the things that we've seen since the global financial crisis is that a lot of European banks, because of the increase in regulation, have basically found it very difficult to underwrite transactions in particular within the SME market, but also underwrite those transactions in a timely manner. And so banks would typically take three, four, sometimes five months to actually underwrite these transactions. So it's really a combination of these elements, which, which is creating this opportunity for us as the investor to come in provide um, the financing and generate very attractive returns without taking on a lot of risk. It's a compelling argument. Kenny, I can almost see you licking your lips in the background. That's just one opportunity. And during the turbulent times that we've endured over the last nearly two years, there must be lots of companies like that, lots of opportunities like that. And people listening to this are going to be saying, "Okay, how do I take advantage of this? Who should be taking advantage of this, Kenny? Look, I always kind of look at an overall portfolio composition of any client. And in my view, a product like this has a role to play in any portfolio, really just dependent on the client's sort of liquidity, their income needs, etc. So, you know, a client that would be investing for the longer term in equities certainly will get great diversification from this because it is a longer term investment. It's very easy to do. It's just another portfolio choice in our endowment product, um, the same application form for our normal endowments. So it's pretty easy. Our financial advisors know exactly how to do it. Pretty straightforward. It is a product, as, as was mentioned earlier, that has a fixed sort of subscription period. So yes. we're taking applications until the 24th of January for this tranche. And we're very excited about it. I mean, we think it like, really is, is a great opportunity for, for, for our client base. Lay, let me give you a market-related question now. If interest rates start to rise because of the inflationary pressures that we are all so aware of at the moment, does, does that reduce your investable universe? In other words, the opportunities, the spreads will narrow or the margins will become a little bit compressed, or is it not to do with rising interest rates potentially in the future in the normal markets? Yeah, that's a great question, Lindsay, and especially in, to your point, in light of obviously current uh, current environment. One of the things that um, that is important as part of the structuring of, of our transactions is that, uh, by and large, most, if not all of the transactions that we structure 
our floating rate. So it's a it's a, a certain margin above LIBOR or URIBOR, depending on the on the jurisdiction of the investment. So as the interest rates increase, we as the as the lender and ultimately investor will benefit from that increase in terms of uh, in terms of LIBOR. Um, secondly, um, you know, in terms of the market that we're in, because we're targeting uh, the part of the market which is predominantly small and medium-sized cities where they're unable to access the traditional capital markets. So these are the, the sort of the, the high-yield markets or, or, the, or the leverage loan markets. This market is, is relatively insulated from, from that um, interest rate change. So even if rates increase, the market opportunity and the demand for capital, uh, we believe, will still remain very high. I've got one final question for you before I wrap it up with Kenny, and I've been asked to ask this question. It says, is it true that 91 will seed this investment and that it's the first time you've seeded your own fund at 91? Yes, and, and that is true. And, and this, this ultimately goes to the level of commitment and conviction that 91 has for this strategy, but, but also for alternative um, credit as, as an asset class. And, and yes, this is the, the first and, and the largest seed investment which 91 has made. And 91, just for your benefit, will be seeding 700 million rand equivalent of our own capital into this fund. Kenny, a final word from you. Your relationship with 91, obviously getting stronger all the time, given what Leia's just said. Are you excited about this product, given what you've heard and what you've imparted yourself? No, absolutely. I mean, I think from the first time I saw the product from 91, I was very excited about it. Uh, thought it had really great potential for for our clients. You know, I always look at these things uh, in terms of will I buy the investment, and if I'm prepared to invest in it, then uh, that's kind of the test that we put on it in discovery uh, before expecting others to buy it. So yes, we're very excited about it. We think it will do incredibly well. It's just a great opportunity for our clients to get something that they can't get in South Africa at all at this point in time. It sounds, as I said before, like a very compelling opportunity. Kenny, thank you very much for your time. Kenny Rabson is the CEO of Discovery, Invest and Employee Benefits. And he was joined with Lele, who is co-head of European Credit Opportunities at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.